it's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we have been trying for the last five years now to help people understand the complexity of who we are as human beings. And for me, that means understanding that we are emotional, physical, intellectual, and spiritual in nature. And it's to, in my way of thinking, at least, it's really important to try and keep those four areas as balanced as you possibly can. So there are some people that really get into the physical and there's some people that really get into the intellectual, but they leave the other two kind of alone. And if you don't also look at how emotionally balanced you are or how spiritually connected you are, then you have like what I call a wobbly table or a wobbly chair, and it just doesn't work as well for you in life as if you make an effort to keep everything in balance. And interestingly enough, the person I have on my show today does an amazing job in several areas of doing that. So Mark Anthony is coming back again. And before we get started, just a reminder, if you go to synergyconnectionradio.com, all of the shows are archived there. Uh, I think we're up to 28 pages of 12 shows on every page. So, you know, kind of scroll through. There's a little synopsis. You can see who the presenter is. You can see what the show is all about. And, you know, you can listen to it on uh, either the website or you can certainly do it through Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple, and Google. So those are the four main platforms and it's out there on all of those as well. Um, when you're on the website, you're going to see Boomer products. They have kept me incredibly healthy all through the pandemic. I've been using them for probably seven years. I remind everybody of the two tests. Please ask your doctor to give you these tests. It's a D as in dog three and a C-reactive protein. The D3 is your uh, level of um um, like your immune system. That is basically what it is. You want that number to be above 70. The last time I had mine done, it was at 100. Don't let them just say you're in the healthy range because it could be a 35, which is why a lot of people are still getting the flu and viruses and even COVID um, three years after we've had the pandemic. The C-reactive protein is your uh, level of inflammation in the body. And you definitely want to know that number. Um, it should be below 0.5. Uh, the last time, again, I had mine done, it was a 0.1. And every disease begins there. So take some time to be responsible for your own health. Know these numbers and do what you can to get your inflammation down and your immune system up. Uh, the website for Boomers is very informative. They have their own podcast. Uh, they're on uh, national um, uh, radio shows now. And uh, you might find that there's a product there that is talking to you. If that's the case, then as you check out, there's a discount little bar. Go ahead and put my first name, L-U-C-Y, into that discount and you're going to get $5 off. And, you know, that certainly helps reduce the price of whatever it is you're purchasing. Or if you're under a $100 minimum, which is the... Uh, ship free if it's a hundred or more, but it'll help pay postage if it's not. So just letting you know, it's really important to keep the physical part of you as healthy 
as you can, because you can't even go to the other three. You can't get to intellectual, spiritual, and social or emotional if you're not healthy. You won't have the energy to do it. So, um, all right. So, Mark, welcome back to the show. And you're known as the psychic attorney. Um, and I was reading, uh, you're a near-death experiencer and a fourth-generation psychic. Uh, so your family members definitely were, had this gift that you inherited. And I think you knew you had it fairly young. Yes. Um, you're Oxford educated. And I've been in England at Oxford, and I absolutely love that campus. It is, I feel like you're, you're walking into history when you're there, for sure. Uh, it, it, you really do. And when I was there, um, I was so appreciative because every day I would walk around like, I can't believe I'm here. And I remember saying, this is going to be over someday, but today it's my reality. Yes. Yeah. And, and it, it really is oozing with history. Uh, I remember walking down a hallway at uh, Magdalen College because it's a collection of colleges, o Oxford. And Magdalen, we would spell it like Magdalene, like Mary Magdalene. They call it Magdalene. And I just got the sense as I was walking down this hallway that Henry VIII walked down this <laughs> Elizabeth I and Winston Churchill. And it was just so overwhelming to think of all the amazing historical figures Absolutely. that had been there. And, you know, I've always was a fan of, of uh, the Lord of the Rings and J.R.R. Tolkien was an Oxford Don. I mean, he, he taught there. It, it just there's so much about it. And like you said, it's beautiful. Uh -huh. It's absolutely beautiful. So when you were there being psychic, did you ever feel the presence of any of their spirits? Like they might come back occasionally just to say hi? <laughs> well, Actually, the, the place that I, I it really, really hit me was um, about 10 years ago. I was in England and I was there. I was uh, working with uh, some British mediums and I was doing some uh, research projects and it was St. Patrick's Day. And so I said to my, my English colleagues, so what do you guys do for St. Patrick's Day? And they all gave me this look and like nothing. <laughs> okay, I'm not getting involved in this England, Ireland thing. So, so I said, well, I want to take take the uh, time off. And I went to the Tower of London. Whoa. And it was a miserable day. It was cloudy. It was 40 degrees. It was drizzling. It was perfect. For, to be at the Tower of London. And for, for the reader or readers, for the listeners who may not be familiar, the Tower of London, it's still technically a royal residence. And when I'm walking around, uh, you know, it's it, I, I didn't figure I'd run into any members of the royal family. Well, at least that's what I thought. And in the Tower of London, back in the days of about four or five hundred years ago, that's where... It, the the monarch would live that was one of their castles and and if you went to the tower of london if you were in royal favor it was a palace and you would attend jousting matches and in banquets but if you weren't in royal favor if you were going to the tower that meant being imprisoned in a dungeon tortured i mean everything everything horrible you could imagine about the medieval era 
So here I am, I'm walking around in, in this huge wide open uh, space. It's surrounded by walls and battlements. And I kept thinking of Anne Boleyn. I'm going, Anne Boleyn, just flooding my mind. Anne Boleyn, Anne Boleyn. And I sat down on this bench and I'm thinking, I wonder if she was executed here because Anne Boleyn was the uh, second of Henry the and uh, the of, of Henry the Eighth's six wives, and I remembered a mnemonic device to remember the fate of his wives: divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. <laughs> and so Anne Boleyn was number two, and that was beheaded. So I'm like, gosh, I wonder if she was executed here. And then I got this weird sensation to look to my left and in lucy about 30 feet away there was this very very modern sculpture it was this huge glass disc and it looked like it had a pillow a glass pillow on the top of it and i remember laughing to myself like well i guess they were all out of slippers <laughs> you know glass slippers so so i walk over to it and i walk to the edge and i look down and it says anne boleyn and then I realized it was a sign that said, this be the site where Queen Anne Boleyn was ordered beheaded by King Henry VIII. And this giant modern sculpture was a monument to all of the people who had been wrongfully put to death at the Tower of London. Wow. So I'm standing there in the freezing, drizzling foggy, cold, miserable London day. <laughs> this was the best day ever because I'm picking up on this whole Anne Boleyn, Boleyn vibe. And so I asked one of the guards, one of the beef eaters, they got the red you know, uniforms. And I said, where is Queen Anne Boleyn buried? I, Her Majesty Queen Anne Boleyn is buried in that chapel. And they won't let you take pictures in there. But I did go to Anne Boleyn's uh, tomb and and I I knelt there and I I said a prayer and it it really it was really such an amazing experience but I felt that I connected with with her presence there. Oh wow! And she was very young, wasn't she? She was, and she really got the the raw end of history. Henry the Eighth was the poster boy for misogynistic um, uh, uh, male chauvinism. Here he is, the King of England, and he wanted a son and his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, who was the daughter of Ferdinand and Isabella of the Christopher Columbus fame, couldn't produce him a male heir, only a daughter. So then he divorces her and it turned into a big thing where um, it went all the way to the Pope in Rome for him to get a special dispensation to divorce Catherine of Aragon. Then he marries Anne Boleyn. And then she gives him a daughter instead of a son. And see, they didn't understand back in the 16th century that it's the male who determines the sex of the child. So back then, everything that went wrong in childbirth was naturally a woman's fault. And so Henry was infuriated that uh, Anne could only produce uh, a female child. So he had charges trumped up against her that she was having an affair with her brother, George. And so they were both executed. Wow. And, yeah. So, so he, he was horrible. Well, 
eventually he did have a son by one of his other wives, but the boy was very sickly and died very young. And then Mary, who was the daughter of Catherine of Aragon, became queen. And she was known as Bloody Mary because she wanted to turn Catholic um, uh, England Catholic again because it had become Protestant. And eventually Mary died of an illness. And Anne Boleyn's daughter, Elizabeth, who became Elizabeth I, became Queen of England. And she outsmarted and outfoxed every male ruler in Europe. Uh, her navy, her royal navy, destroyed the Spanish Armada. She outfoxed the King of France. She outmaneuvered the Holy Roman Emperor and the Pope. And by the end of Elizabeth I's reign, England went from a backwater country to the wealthiest, most powerful country in the world, and she catapulted England to superpower status for the next three and a half centuries. Not bad for a girl. I think <laughs> Anne Boleyn got the last laugh. <laughs> I think she probably did, too. You wonder who raised her since he was on to his next wife. Well, she she was a princess, and he certainly wasn't going to murder any of his children. So she was raised in the court, but you know, usually in the countryside, trying to keep her out of the way because Henry he was he was a great king uh, in that he made England militarily and financially powerful, but he was an absolute monster in his personal life. And one of the things that Elizabeth I said to her, her court was, I am my father's daughter. In other words, don't screw with me, boys. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, she ruled, uh, she had a very, very long lifetime. Um, there have been all sorts of stories about her as being the virgin queen and all this, and it doesn't appear that she had a very happy life uh, from a personal standpoint. But as far as being... Um, a dedicated and effective monarch. It, you know, it cracks me up because in the United States, there's still this debate like, well, should we have a woman president? Um, there have been, history has shown us that women can be every bit as effective and ruthless as men can be. And so there's no reason why we can't have a very efficient and effective and successful uh, female president. Uh, I've never understood that 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 nonsense. I agree. Um, there's another kind of fascinating um, approach to it in terms of females is they're much more in touch with their intuition than men are. And as a result, I think intuitively they would, whether it's a monarch like Queen Elizabeth I or whether it's a president, but I think you would intuitively know the right thing to do. And most people stay 95% of the time in their brains thinking things through. And that usually leads to decisions that are not always the best decisions. It, it, yes. Um, if you look at, uh, I know we're, we're getting away from the metaphysical mm -hmm. to more of the historical, but Golda Meir, um, the female prime minister of Israel, she was president in, uh, excuse me, prime minister of Israel during the, the Yom Kippur War in 1973. And what happened was uh, the Israeli Mossad, their intelligence, knew that the combined forces of Egypt, Jordan, and Syria were about to launch an attack. And, and her general said, let's do a preemptive strike, let's hit their air forces while they're still on the ground. 
And using her intuition, she said, no, we have to be attacked. She said, for world opinion, and if we want to keep the United States as an ally, we have to be attacked first. And and her her main general, Moshe Dayan, who was a brilliant general, you know, they had a big argument, but they listened to her, and Israel was attacked first, and then was able to be perceived as, I don't want to say the victim, but having to respond to to uh uh, foreign aggression. And, you know, and once again, I don't want to get into the whole Arab-Israeli conflict because that'll be another 50 shows. Uh, <laughs> yep. But but the thing is, Golda Meir was an extremely competent, extremely effective ruler. And she did exactly what you just said. She trusted her intuition. She knew that in the court of world public opinion, Israel had to be perceived as the victim Mm-hmm. I think the same thing has happened with the Ukraine. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, intuitively um, that, you know, translated into what we now have going on as well. Um, the United States always has rallied behind their victims. You know, yes. If there's a victim mentality, they're going to go rescue. Yes. Yeah. Well, to bring us back, I and I think some of this does a little bit fit the couple of questions that I wanted to ask, too. Um, so when you think of consciousness, what does that actually mean to you? Uh, I write extensively about consciousness in my most recent book, The Afterlife Frequency, which um, has now won three awards. I'm, yay, I'm very- yay. Very honored. I can only mention one of them because the other two are going to be announced um, June 1st, and both organizations have asked that I don't say that. So, um, okay. but, but it's very humbling. Is one of them the Pulitzer? It was considered for Pulitzer, but unfortunately, it didn't get the Pulitzer. The Pulitzer um, in the nonfiction categories, they want more current politics. Oh. And that, but the problem is, um, it's not going to be relevant in a year or two. Right. You know, maybe writing like what you said, that's going on in Ukraine and what happened in Ukraine in 2022 may be a very different dynamic, but, but uh, it was up for a Pulitzer, but in it won the 2022 coalition of visionary resources, best book um, award. And then there's two other uh, very prestigious awards uh, that it has won. And, and I'm, I'm very, very thankful for, for all the people who have supported me and, and uh, have have found um, comfort in 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 my words, um, and I know that we're we're talking about consciousness, and there's different schools of thought on 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 consciousness. Is that is this a philosophical construct or is this a real thing? And is consciousness the result of evolution that over millions of years, the brain and the nervous system have undergone complex and sophisticated changes, which resulted in human beings having self-awareness? Now, that's a very clinical view of it. Um, However, what those of us who study consciousness have found is that it pre-exists the body 
comes into the body, moves on after the body dies. In other words, consciousness is not localized. Mm -hmm. And your brain no more creates consciousness than your computer hard drive creates the programs that are on it. And the reason that I say this is that for the last 50 plus years now, um, since the advent of near-death experience research, we have found so many accounts of people worldwide uh, who have died, gone, separated from their body, come back to their body with tales of encountering deceased loved ones, and also verifiable things that have happened when they were in that state that they didn't, there was no way they could know. Um, for example, there was a woman who died, and I met her at the International Association for Near-Death Studies. She died on an operating table, and she was hovering above it, and she could see the, the medical team trying to resuscitate her, and all of a sudden, the as she continued to rise above the operating table, she saw a light fixture, and she noticed that the light fixture was very dusty, and she needed to report that. And then she goes, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm out of my body. And the next thing she knew, she was hovering above the hospital, and she saw the, the rain gutters at the top of the hospital, and there was a blue sneaker stuck in one of the rain gutters. Well, then next thing she knows, she's back in her body. She'd been resuscitated and she started telling them about this. And the surgeon said, get two people up on the roof right now. And they, they got two, two hospital employees that went up on the roof and there was a blue sneaker stuck in the rain gutter exactly where she said it was. Wow. <laughs> okay, now how could that be a side effect of a dying brain? Uh -huh. Then there was a woman in Japan. Um, she died um, uh, uh, also during surgery, and she left her body, and she encountered her sister's spirit. And then when she was resuscitated, her parents were there, and she said, I saw my sister. But how can that be for she is alive and her parents burst into tears and said, well, she was killed in a car accident last night. <gasps> and so the oh woman my gosh. did not know her sister had died yet connected with her. So I developed the term the electromagnetic soul to describe what we really are. And let me give a, a quick rundown. We know that in the field of quantum physics, that everything is composed of, of molecules, which in turn are composed of atoms, which in turn are comprised of electrons, protons, and neutrons. Those in turn are made of the smallest particle, which is known as a quantum. That's where we get the term quantum physics, and it's pure electromagnetic energy. Now, for the science people who are watching, I know they'll say, yes, but an electron is technically a quantum. Yes, it is, because it's one eighteen hundredth the size of a proton, and it just happens to be a negatively charged particle. All right, so everything on the subatomic level, and that means you and me, Lucy, our bodies, the air we breathe, the light we see, the radio waves that this show is being broadcast, the rings of Saturn and beyond are all at the most basic level electromagnetic energy, quantum. We know from the laws of thermodynamics 
energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. We know from the field of neuroscience, which studies the human brain. And neuroscientists, um, you look in a neuroscience book, and there's um, a thousand pages on the functions of the brain and less than a paragraph on consciousness, because neuroscience cannot explain what creates consciousness. But we know from neuroscience that the brain has an electromagnetic field and that the brain, which is only about 2% of the body's weight, uses over 20% of the body's electrical activity. So we know from every great um, spiritual teacher, from, from the sages of ancient India, through Zoroastrianism, through Moses, Buddha, Jesus, Confucius, Lao Tzu, Muhammad, Native American spirituality, the world over, that the who and what we are, which is referred to in matters of faith as soul or as a spirit, in matters of psychology and science as consciousness, pre-exists the body, comes into the body, moves on after the body dies. So I developed the term electromagnetic soul to describe what we really are, which is pure consciousness that is eternal electromagnetic energy. And for over 50 years, we've had studies now which have proven that your consciousness survives physical death. And, and if you'll give me just another moment, in the last year, two very powerful discoveries have reinforced, if not proven, my electromagnetic soul theory. One occurred on 2-22-22. I can always remember that. Two, <laughs> February 22nd of 2022 in Tartu, Estonia. There was a, a man in his late 80s, and he had a, a massive stroke. He was rushed to the hospital because he had a stroke. Um, the doctors put an EEG, an electroencephalogram, uh, to measure his, his brainwave frequencies. We have five different brainwaves, gamma, beta, alpha, theta, delta. Um, and each of those have, have a very specific function. But then he suffered a massive coronary and died. And the thing is, this was the first time in history somebody died while being administered an EEG. And what happened has astounded scientists the world over. His brainwave frequencies at the point of death surged to levels off the charts, which showed increased intense brainwave activity. So the, the um, Estonian scientists shared this data around the world, and they said this appears to be evidence of a near-death experience because they figured at the time of death, electrical activity would fizzle out instead of go off the charts. Then, by the in November of 2022, the um, the Grossman um, Center from New York University released the results of a study of over 127 hospitals in the U.S. and the U.K., where over 500 individuals were being administered EEG during CPR, cardiopulmonary resuscitation. So all these people, they were resuscitated, but 
Many of them at the point of death, guess what? All five brainwave frequencies went off the scale and 20% of those people who were resuscitated while being administered an EEG came out of the experience explaining that they had a near-death experience where their consciousness left their body, went into a tunnel through the light, encountered deceased loved ones, and then they were pulled back. So now we're beginning to have empirical scientific studies to prove that our consciousness, the who and what we are, survives physical death. That is just, I think it's incredible that the science is catching up because there's a lot of people who have experienced this and and others think, oh, you know, you're imagining it or you're a little crazy or something like that. And now the evidence is supporting, yes, all of this has been around forever. And we just now are able to talk about it a little more freely. So... Um, I want to take just a very brief second and have a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Are you feeling stressed and anxious about life? Have elevated blood pressure? Experiencing weight gain? Having problems with your immune system? Getting healthy and staying healthy is more important than ever, and it has never been easier when you have fundamental nutrition from Boomer Products. Restore the youth and vitality you are used to in just minutes a day. Check out our website at www.boomerboost.com to see thousands of reviews from customers just like you who are benefiting from Boomer products. While you're there, check out our podcasts, blogs, and videos and get caught up on the latest health news and information. Use promo code LUCY at checkout. That's L-U-C-Y to save $5 on your order. Stop existing and start living today with Boomer products. All right, welcome back to the show with Mark Anthony, and we're talking about consciousness. And Mark, we have time for maybe just one more little question, because um, I really love the fact that you went into all of the details that you did, because it, I think it helps make this a little more understandable, you know, to everybody out there listening. But this was a question that actually um, you had provided to me, and I just never ask it. But isn't the existence of the soul really just a philosophical question? And, you know, religion has always made it more of a philosophical. Do you think now that we have more scientific evidence that the two can get married? <laughs> I, I believe I believe that is absolutely the case. And that once again, my electromagnetic soul theory, it marries the two. Mm -hmm. And. My friend and colleague, Dr. Gary Schwartz, who is the head of the Laboratory for Advancement of Consciousness and Health at the University of Arizona, he also wrote the foreword to my book, The Afterlife Frequency. He said, think of electromagnetic soul. He, he said that this appears to be consistent with all the data that they're studying on survival of consciousness. He said, but let's make it a bit warm and fuzzier and say that soul actually stands for the source of universal love. So what we're, um, what we're seeing here is electromagnetic energy is what our soul is, is, is composed of, but what that energy contains is our personality, our feelings, our love. Um, it's who we are. In my, in my first book, Never Letting Go, 
I explain consciousness as when you die, you take you with you. Mm -hmm. I think that's really true, that we do take the essence of who we are with us and we come back with that essence. You know, like one of the things that I've been told, because, you know, I'm a, an energy healer. So I have gifts that a lot of people don't have, but um, I would just say they're more developed. But what I, I did hear from someone not too very long ago is that if you are a healer in one lifetime, you will continue to be a healer in every lifetime if you choose to come back and reincarnate into another physical. Uh, you're a fourth generation medium, but you may have been a medium in many other lifetimes, just not in the same generational family. That's really fascinating. Um, and it, it, you know, it, what I've seen in communicating with spirits and when they do discuss reincarnation, the way they describe it is a lot of times we, we go through various lifetimes with the same people. But think of everybody as a a, a true uh, a troop of actors, and each lifetime we're just cast in different in different, different roles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which which makes a lot of sense because I've also encountered people for the very first time, and I felt like I, I knew her or I knew him, and and that person said the same thing about me. Um, and, and it wasn't one of these weird, like, you know, when I'm at a book signing, some, you know, woman, oh, I know you. And it's like, no, it's not that it, it's it's there's a um, um, a real a real connection. Mm -hmm. There's a few of them uh, I've sat down and I've talked to and I go, what do you think this is? And um, they've said, I really feel we are connected from some other time, some other reality. I actually had that experience with a person a number of years ago now where I was working with them uh, in a counseling capacity. And when we were done, because I didn't want to do it before then, but when we were done, I looked at him and I said, you know, we've known each other because I knew he was of the same mindset. And he said, yeah, I'm feeling really connected, which could happen in counseling, right? Could. Sure. But I was able to say we knew each other in France. It was during the French Revolution. We were monks. We were in a monastery. And he had had a past life reading probably six months earlier in Colorado Springs with somebody. And she had told him exactly the same thing. That And so it was, you know, but I'm given this information. Like when that happens, it's, it's shared with me. Uh, just in a split second, this is who he was. This is what the situation was. Wow. <laughs> so, That's so cool. Yeah, it really, it, it is. And at the same time, a little spooky, but, um, you know, a lot of people don't understand it as a gift. I see it as a gift. People, they think these things are spooky because it's human nature to fear the unknown. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't want to believe in reincarnation. It scares me. Well, why? I mean, energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. Mm -hmm. So our electromagnetic soul, our EMS, leaves our body. It, it transfers to the afterlife frequency, and then it recycles by entering um, a, a fetus, and we come back. Mm -hmm. And we go through a succession of lifetimes. And then when we're done with this world, we we move on to another dimension. Right. Which, 
like an awful lot of work, but you know, energy is is eternal. And and I think energy wants to learn. It it does have it it, it exists. And I think anything that exists exists to learn and to grow. And so, you know, we're playing, if you will, and with these different roles. But I think we like to play. And sometimes we want to play, you know, as this kind of person and another time it might be this kind of person. And so if you kind of looked at Anne Boleyn as an example, I mean, you know, she, I think, maybe at some level energetically knew she would have a daughter who would become Queen Elizabeth I and make all the difference in the world. Um, and so that was her role is to become the mother of that child. And maybe nothing else was her role in that lifetime. A, a very, very, very possible, because when you look at, you know, the circumstances there, it would have been very easy for her daughter, Elizabeth, to have been shipped off to a convent or uh -huh. married off to some nobleman or prince or whatever. But as it turned out, she managed not to be married off to anyone and then found herself the only a member of the Tudor dynasty, except for cousin Mary, Queen of Scots, which she eventually had executed. But that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole other story. <laughs> oh, our time together is over. It, it always just flies by. Let people know how they can reach you, Mark. And of course, that's also going to be uh, at each of the um, podcast platform. The information will be there as well. I invite everyone to visit my website, which is Afterlife frequency.com which is just like my latest book the afterlife frequency and please sign up for my newsletter you can find out about scheduling a reading with me go to my calendar of events and uh, please tune into my weekly live stream show the psychic in the dock um, we take calls from listeners where i conduct many readings for callers in tandem with dr pat's uplifting insights uh it's an honor to work with her and lucy we got to get you on the show as our guest um on one of these episodes so that but, would be fun yeah it would be fun and you can find out all about that everybody if you visit afterlifefrequency.com all right thanks mark for being back on the show again i'm sure we'll have you back on in about four and a half five months in the meantime everyone please share this show with your friends and your family members and acquaintances. I think we're all very curious as to what happens after we do die. And Mark is an excellent um, expert on being able to share this with everybody out there. So go out there and make it your best life. And looking forward to uh, visiting with you all next week. Have a good one. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.